This is the Generation Gap, presented by me, Claudia, and him, Clive. Hello. In this program, we are going to explore differences and similarities of being a teenager now and in past generations. I am a 21st century girl, and Clive is a baby boomer. That is a teenager in the late 60s and early 70s. What are the differences and similarities in the way that we live our lives? We are going to try and find out. This is the Generation Gap Show on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. Well, good evening and welcome to the Generation Gap here with me, Clive, and with Claudia. Hello, good evening. Now, we're going to do something a bit strange this time, um, or tonight. We're going to have a discussion. Um, In the past, on lots of programmes, Claudia has suddenly said that she thinks she's living in the wrong time, and she really would have preferred to have been born sometime beforehand and live through those exciting periods of the 70s and 80s. Yes. So I'm going to try and send her back and see if we can make that happen, and we'll look at exactly how it might have been for her if she had, in fact, been born a little earlier. Love it. So, um, if you had been born in time to be the age you are now, in, say, the late 80s, it means you've been born in the 1960s. So I'm going to wor- work out that if you were basically the age you are now, in, say, the late 80s, so you'd lived as a sort of teenager through the 70s and the 80s, um, then you'd been born in about 1966. Love it. 30 years before I was actually born. 30 years before you were actually born, that's right. So we're putting you back 30 years. Now, obviously, to do that, we need a time machine. And unfortunately, they haven't been invented yet. But I have had one sent back from the future, so I can use it to <laughs> send you back. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll do that in a minute. Um, now, so you were born in 1966. Of course, you were actually born in Poland, as I'm sure most of our regular listeners know. Mm-hmm. Um, and Poland in the 1960s was a pretty grim place, I think it's fair to say. Um, and where you were born, in Silesia, is that right? Um, it was all sort of coal mining and things like that and heavy industry. So probably polluted and not really a very nice place, to be honest. Is that fair? Maybe. I'm not sure. I I don't think it was necessarily a disgraceful place. I think um, it was just very bad politically and um, not very nice. Maybe not very nice to live in. I'm not actually too sure. No. Well, anyway, because of um, what we're doing is obviously a bit um, fantastic because I'm going to set up a complete parallel universe in a minute. Um, We'll put you not being born in Poland, will let you be born in England. How about in St Albans? That would be a nice place to be born, wouldn't it? That's nice. So it, it's not, it's not, I'm not a peasant or anything. I'm, I'm going to be an upper-class person. Well, a sort of standard middle-class St Albans resident okay. from the 1960s. Love it. OK, so let's do that. Mm. And, um, yeah, right. So I'll do that, and then I'll tell you mm. what this will be. Yeah, let's use, I'll just use this little app on my phone, which is the time travel. <laughs> Okay, I get you get the point anyway. Sounds a lot like the TARDIS. It sounds exactly like the TARDIS, doesn't it? Um, okay, so here we are, 1966, October, and you're born in St Albans, and in those days there was actually a hospital in St Albans with a maternity unit, so that's probably where you'd have been born. Nice, I like it. City Hospital in St Albans, okay. Obviously, if you were born in 1966, you wouldn't really remember much for a few years, so I'm going to take you forward a little bit to 1972, maybe, and... You need to choose a school to go to. 
So I reckon you should go to St Michael's School because we know them now, don't we? We do know them and I think that's a very nice place to go to school yeah. when you're young. And we'll explain, I think in the next couple of weeks we'll perhaps talk about this in more detail. But basically at the moment, back here in 2017, we are working with some uh, fantastic children from St Michael's School who are the Junior Dragons Apprentices. Yes. And the yeah. biggest news of all, I happen to be their dragon. That's it. Claudia is their dragon. Can you believe it? She's lovely. I yes. love it. She's just polishing her tail and um, holding back the flames from her mouth at the moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Anyway, so let's say well, you go to that school. There's a nice little local school in St Albans, and I'm sure you'd learn everything you needed to know there at primary school because it's a really nice school, and I'm sure it still was back in the 1960s. So what else? Um... We're coming forward to, um, from the 70s. Radio Verulam. Radio Verulam. Yes, and you're listening to the Generation Gap show here. And what we are doing today is sending Claudia back in, back in time and seeing what life would have been like for her and what things were going on if she'd been born 30 years before she was. So, that's exciting, isn't it? Oh, me clever. I know. <laughs> okay. The things I do for Radio Verulam. I know, it's fantastic. And the technology and what we can do these days is brilliant. So, um, 1970s, basically, uh, let's take you to about 1977. Then you would have been 11 years old. So by that time, you'd have been listening to music. You'd been interested in music and films and all those sorts of things. I just realised that in the 80s, I'll, I'll be 21 in the 80s, right? Yes. It'll be all colourful and nice and well let's wait until we get okay, there shall sorry, we let's sorry, do it sorry, sorry, 77 this is really exciting 1977 so 1977. In, in england um now um, what was that like well it was actually pretty grim i have to say in that period we had um really quite a lot of um social unrest in this country we had lots of strikes the big companies things like car companies and so on were constantly on strike and also the cars they made were rubbish i had one of their cars i won't mention the name of it i remember it lasted about six months before it blew up literally because it was just so badly made anyway um at that time, um, politically, we had um, a government headed by um, Jim Callaghan, Labour government, and he was struggling because basically all the unions were going on strike all over the place. And uh, there was a lot of unemployment as well, possibly as a result of that. And the economy was really in bad way. And it headed up to the year of 1978, when there was a so-called winter of discontent. And that's when everything was so bad that the rubbish wasn't being collected and rubbish was piling up in the streets everywhere and people weren't being buried because all the grave diggers were on strike. Oh, no. So it was really quite awful. Um, and so in many ways it wasn't um, very nice. Now, having said that, you were born in St Albans on this occasion. So St Albans, 1970s, what was it like? It wasn't really much different to now because obviously the centre of the city has been the same for a long time. If you look at pictures from that era, you'll see... Um, St Peter Street, for example, pretty much as it is now, except that um, there was a lot of, big row of trees, I think, along the other side, which had been taken down. Um, and obviously there were fewer cars. And in those days, you could still park your car just sort of in the middle of the street. It's before they did the sort of um, other little service road. And then, of course, we've actually filled that in now as well. So um, it looked pretty much the same. Of course, the shops were different, although some of them were the same. Um, people like the big stores like Tesco's and British Home Stores was there, of course, in those days too. Not anymore. Um, so it wasn't too different. And That is very cool. So you're 11, you've got to go to secondary school. I guess you have to go to Loretto, don't you? Because Loretto was obviously there at the time. Oh, no. That would have been... That would not be very nice at all. I mean, it wasn't necessarily amazing 
today at this time but back then there would be nuns and and people i don't know how different it would be obviously the building is exactly the same it was there way back before then so um yes but there would be nuns and i think the nuns would have still been around and basically though they weren't very nice from what i gather well it could have been of course you'd chosen to go to a different school i don't know okay. the, the you didn't have so much choice in those days i have to say in schools you, you parents couldn't just choose two or three to go to you you were pretty much allocated to school yeah but i think i like the idea of people being very together as a community and because there's no choice you still have to grow up with the same people and your families know each other and everybody kind of knows each other and i kind of like that here in St Albans, maybe that's still around a little bit, but you know, in bigger cities, you don't, you kind of lose that sense of community. I think my experience is a lot of people in in St Albans actually ha- they have lived here for a long time, and their families have lived here for a long yeah. time. Obviously, there's a lot of people moved in from other places, but probably I should think half the people here are basically people whose family have been here some time. One yeah. of the things in the seventies which I remember particularly was in those days we had a carnival every year with a huge carnival with floats and sort of 100 floats or more. And they used to start at Bernard's Heath, come down through St Peter Street, down the bottom of the hill to Westminster Lodge, and then there'll be a big fair there with hundreds of stalls and things. And it was really nice every year. In fact, it was always on August Bank Holiday because it was the same day as the Notting Hill Carnival, funnily enough. Love it. Um, so that was part of the sort of community things of St Albans, which were very nice in those days. But as I say, the, um, the country as a whole was a pretty poor actually at the time and things were going really badly and um so it wasn't so nice in that way at school even at secondary school i guess you'd probably not really been so aware of those things but um it, it wasn't a nice time in many ways but the music was very good abba were by far the best sen- selling um band at the time not just in this country around the world um there was another band which was now uh, doing quite well but they weren't sort of really up the top there but nowadays we look back and they're the other band that everybody knows and they did very well and can you guess we had dancing queen this band has the same name queen so other things happening around the late 70s were uh, same strikes one of the ones i remember particularly was with the the times newspaper which went on for a year the strikes there uh, of printing unions around the world things like uh, the vietnam war finished in the late 70s and that being oh, a yes. real drawing uh, causing a lot of problems in the u.s before that lots of very violent um, incidents and president nixon had to resign over the watergate scandal i remember all that stuff because i was living in the states about that time i'll talk about that maybe later um i used to listen to cassette tapes well i was going to say probably um if you were born when we put you back to then by the late 1970s you'd have probably been uh, listening to the radio quite a lot to listen to music because radio one was already going then and you would have probably had a cassette recorder where you record the songs onto your cassette your favorite songs from the radio yes my dad told me about these things that they used to like switch cassettes so that they could um record um, their friends' stuff onto their stuff, and then that's how it kind of go, go around. Well, they, they call them mixtapes, and people still use the term mixed tapes, even though they actually do it all on computers nowadays. But yeah. yes, well, the thing was that in those days there was a program which was called Pick of the Pops, which was on on Sunday afternoons on Radio One, and basically it was the top twenty songs counted down from twenty, and that was compulsory listening for teenagers basically because you sat there and you waited to your favorite song which you knew was number 17 or whatever and record it on the cassette so you could play it again to yourself that was the way things worked Um, and then video cassettes came in in the early 80s 
and of course that was a revelation because you could actually go out one evening but still record your favourite television programme and watch it later. What an amazing idea. Yeah. And it, it was. It was actually quite revolutionary. Amazing. <laughs> um, yes, it was. Now, I'm just going to take you back a little bit. End of the 1970s, quite a big change politically, which made a great deal of difference and basically set up the 80s. And that was the um, general election in 1979 when we got our first woman prime minister. Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher. And I think basically she's still thought of by most people as being sort of Marmite. They either love her or they hate her. And obviously she did make huge changes to the country or she influenced huge changes, which, you know, whether you think they were for the best or not, I don't know, but you can't accept um, anything other than the fact she made a huge difference to the country. Yeah. Um, As I said earlier, in the late 70s, um, the country was basically in a pretty bad way, particularly with strikes and basically a lot of unemployment. And one of the things she did was, of course, challenge the trade unions, and that was very controversial in its day and subsequently. But um, basically, she laid down the laws, which mainly still exist, that um, you know you couldn't have a, a strike without having a, a secret ballot, that sort of stuff. Right. Because in those days, you just see, you'd always see on television pictures of all the workers called out of a factory. They'd all be standing out in the car park, and then the union people would say, "Right, do you want to go on strike, brothers?" And they'd all put their hands up, and that made they all went on strike because they'd all voted for it. And nobody counted. It was just that's the way it was done. And that was the sort of thing that stopped. Um, But there were some other strange practices in those days. One I remember was um, the London docks were still working in those days. Very few docks really working at all now. And the dock union, dock workers union, um, tried to get a law passed so that everything that happened within five miles of the docks was basically their business and they had to, their workers the only people who could load or unload anything within five miles oh, of the docks that's a bit shady. well the thing is um, as the docks were in the middle of London that effectively meant the entire centre of London would have suddenly been covered by the dock workers union exclusively um, they didn't get away with that one um, the other one I remember particularly because I knew somebody who was involved in this was the the um, Times newspaper strike just to give you an example <clears throat> um, in those days newspapers were still printed by having um, lead print and basically you had a big wooden frame and somebody had to put in each individual letter of a word into this frame one by one to make up the page of the newspaper and then that was used to put ink on it and then that printed the newspapers and this was obviously a very skilled job in the sense you had to do it quite quickly and pick out all the right letters and things like this Um, But obviously it also involved huge numbers of people. And it was uh, Rupert Murdoch, who of course is still not very well liked by many people for precisely this reason. He challenged the unions because, of course, computers were coming in. Computers were able to um, set out the uh, print likes Mm -hmm. of word processing and do it all electronically. And um, I knew someone who was basically an IT person who was sneaked in at night to go and work in this alternative um, printing works they set up in London for The Times. Um, and there was a big showdown then with the unions. And the key thing he told me was, he said, how many people do you think work in the print shop printing the Times newspaper? And I said, don't know. And he said it was 11,000 people. How many people do you think are in this new secret place where they're going to print it in future by computer? I said, don't know. He said, 11. And that was the difference. It was between 11,000 and 11 people involved because they were just sort of managing the computers. And this is the... Our favourite subject, robots coming. This was the early implementation of that sort of thing. And the Times was actually on strike for nearly a year, so it wasn't printed for a year, until eventually the strike was won by Mr Murdoch, which is why nobody in the print industry yeah. likes him much. 
Um, anyway, so that was the sort of thing going on, and that was every night on your television news there'd be pictures of these strikers going out and you know marching up and down the streets, and sometimes it got quite violent, hundreds of police holding them back from places. It wasn't very nice at all. Um, and then, of course, as I said, in the got into the 80s, and things changed. And the sort of things that changed were um, that suddenly people were becoming rich, lots of people. Not everybody, obviously, but there were people who were definitely becoming very rich on the back of the new technology in the city of London. Right, so these changes, they were quite okay, weren't they? Well, for the people who did all right out of them, they were very good. Um, and people made lots of money. And that's um, a little phrase which you may not have seen. Harry Enfield, the uh, comedian at the time, uh, made his name from a character who was called Loads of Money. And basically, he was a sort of working class, East End type person who was working in the city and making loads of money. So in the programme, he would always go around, he had opened his pocket and had big wadges of £20 notes he'd throw around like this. And you heard all these stories about, you know, all the Porsche dealers and the Ferrari dealers opening up in the city of London because people were earning so much money. They were going out and buying cars like that. They were buying new flats and they were buying champagne every night and all the rest of it. And um, this was really um, excess, I think, is probably the sort of uh, word we can say. Okay, I, yeah, okay. I'm getting a picture, I'm, I'm framing a picture of what it would be like. So if you were in the situation where you're working in a good job like that, you're being paid really a lot of money for what didn't seem like work in many occasions. They had long lunches and things, but still earned hundreds of thousands. And you'd hear stories of people having a bonus, you know, of £100,000, this kind of stuff. And um, this was uh, the sort of stories you got then. It's when the City of London changed drastically, lots of new sort of bars and restaurants and things opened up. And, um, you know, it's, as it is now, it, it wasn't like that in the early 80s because it was still actually, um, the dock areas were still pretty run down. So it's changed drastically in that time. And that was really when all the change happened. Mm. Music. One of the things that happened at the end of the 70s was that we went into CDs. And in about 1982 was the first time they sold more CDs than they did cassettes and records. Which was good or bad? Well, it is quite good, but um, it, it was I different. Think, I think every change is a good change. And I think change changes, whether you like them or you don't like them, they kind of make you do something different or something new. And, you know, it, it provokes problem-solving thinking Right. from a, from a mind point of view. Anyway, so we're taking you through your time if you had been born 30 years earlier than you were. So we're now hitting a back period. Um, in the early 80s, you would have been a teenager. You'd have probably had your Sony Walkman with your cassettes listening in, and suddenly they invented these new things called CDs. They did make portable CD players, but they weren't really very good because if you sort of bounced them around as you walked, they kept jumping and weren't really very um, good in the same way. Actually, the cassettes were better. Right, but with the cassettes, you had to have a boombox. You, that was one of the things, yes, you're absolutely right, they had those things which had quite big speakers and you had to put them yeah. on your shoulder and, and march around. Yeah. I like those. I, I, Yeah, I think I would have loved those days. There's actually one out in the studio here, isn't there? With one of our radio set we have here is actually yeah. one of those, sort of 1980s one. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's an actual boombox, though. You know, a boombox is like a, 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 an actual box and like with the speakers and the cassette things it's a sort of version of one it's not quite the, the yes. big super ones yeah exactly yep. 92.6 fm radio verulam radio verulam i have been sent back in time well um by the way i'm claudia and clive has 
t- um, sent me back in time to the 70s. And by the way, if you do want to get involved and to tell us what you think the 70s were like, if you know, and um, what anything about the music that we're playing or anything that you would like us to discuss in the future, maybe, you can do on Twitter at RVJenga or on Facebook, RV the Generation Gap. Let us know. Yes. Anyway, so we've got you now to um, the 1980s. Now, there was a time in the 1980s which was actually really awful, and I remember it particularly, and it was really very scary. And that's in 1982, the Falklands War. Now, I've never lived through another actual war. It's the only time in my life so far, touch wood and all that, that I've been involved, uh, you know, been here when we've, as a country, we were actually at war with Argentina. We declared war on them because they sent in soldiers to um, take over the Falkland Isles, which are British dependency. Um, and it was a very scary time because um, things happened which were really unexpected in the sense that the news was suddenly controlled. You know, we're used to having reporters and things telling what they thought. Suddenly, it was all controlled by the Ministry of Defence, and we had this one report every day. Um, by a guy who um, I, I met once uh, some years later, um, who was the spokesman for the Ministry of Defence. And he spoke very, very carefully in a very slightly Scottish accent. I think I always think his name was MacDonald, so he probably was Scottish. Um, and he just read out a sort of little communique, you know, today our, our the RAF bombed such and such and so on, and they all came back, this kind of story. Um, and it was obviously, the, the what happened was the um, Argentines... Um, invaded the island and filled it with soldiers, or the islands, because there's several islands, Falklands. Um, And that's an awful long way away from here. It's about as far away as you can go. And they obviously thought we wouldn't do anything, but Margaret Thatcher, as Prime Minister, decided to take a big stand on this and basically ordered pretty much every ship we had in the Navy and so on to go down to the Falkland Isles and retake them. And the Royal Marines, of course, were the lead people on this um anyway i won't go through all the details she does sound like a very powerful and very like knows what she wants lady well obviously that was the impression she created there and very much i mean her hero was winston churchill which tells you what you want to know (laughs) um so anyway the long and short of it was obviously that after a period of some weeks and it was i think about three months in total because it took weeks for the ships to get down to the islands um, in the end, uh, our soldiers did prevail and take over back the islands and so on. Obviously, there were a lot of people killed. I think there were about 300 British soldiers were killed, many more Argentines because um, many of them were just sort of raw recruits. They weren't really proper soldiers and they were really put into a terrible situation. Um, but, of course, that did make it for Margaret Thatcher for the next few years. She was the superheroine. She was re-elected with a huge majority. And so the 80s continued on in the same way with all the um, city of London basically becoming the centre of the country in terms of earning millions and millions and millions of pounds and for some people hundreds of thousands and millions individually and I think there's quite a lot of inequality at the time because there are other people who were definitely not doing very well particularly in the north of country and particularly the mining communities who had been affected by the um, miners strike which again uh, in the end the miners had to back down and uh, many people were really in a very poor state indeed for some years in those mining towns which relied on the mines which then closed down so um, the 80s is looked back on in many ways as being a very good nice time for many people and probably most people in London surrounding areas like St Albans were doing quite nicely, thank you. But there were parts of the country which definitely weren't the same as that. Mm. So if you lived here, you'd have been 
in the all right thing, but you have to look at it the other way. There were things going on, so I think not it, so good. So one, t- what I'm getting out of the 70s and um, early 80s is that it's it's a very good, nice time. It's a nice time. And unless you really got involved in politics, you wouldn't really know what's going on. Like, for example, now, um, things shocking things are happening that we think are quite shocking. However, we're not really involved, so... We, it doesn't really affect us personally, not too much anyway. And so the way I'm thinking about it is that maybe even though things like war happened and um, things things that you wouldn't expect happened, it was still a nice, nice-ish time. I think for many people it was. And as you say, I mean, obviously we, we look back now on a period we, we got perspective on the whole things that were happening. Yeah. Um, on a lighter note then, I'll just mention that um, okay. in that period, um, the... Um, one of the things which was very popular was a television program called Dallas. And the reason it was mainly um, became sort of so well known and people started watching it was because of a certain disc jockey on Radio 1. Uh, sorry, Radio 2, I think in those days, come to think of it, Radio 2. <laughs> yes. Um, basically, Terry Wogan's Breakfast Show was by far the most listened to radio program. Um, and I know, in fact, you did meet him a few years ago, didn't you? He died knowing who I am, all yes. I'm going to say. All right. But anyway, I mean, he was obviously super top person and he made this um, rather obscure American television series into such a cult that every day he was talking about it and everyone was talking about it. And it became a really huge, um, huge thing indeed. And in one scene where the lead character, J.R. Ewing, oil billionaire, was shot, um, it had the biggest television audience ever in the 1980s. Oh, yes, yes. I think I... I think there has been a remake or a re. There's been a recent remake of the series, yes, which I don't so suppose I, has no nowhere near the same impact as that one. Yeah, but I think I understand the storyline, so yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can imagine that was. Anyway, we're almost running out of time, so we've got oh. to squeeze in a couple more things. That it's just my era. I'm born in the wrong era. Okay, I think you may have proved your point. So anyway, I'm going to take you now to 1987, which is when you would be 21 if you'd been born back in the 60s, as we thought. Is that my favourite? Is well, this going to be my favourite? I think it might be your absolute favourite song, and I think possibly going to have to leave the programme on this, so we'll have to say goodbye now as well. Okay. And I'll tell you, this song I'm going to play was the absolute biggest-selling song in the country in 1987. Well, good night, St Albans. So good night, and I'll leave you with... Bon Jovi living on a prayer. Well, hey.